Hi, it's Heike, and I want to ask you something. Can you think of somebody right now that has betrayed you? A co-worker, a husband, a family member, a good friend? I can think of two people in my life that have really betrayed me, and I didn't see it coming. And I'm sure you felt the same way. You didn't see it coming. It shook you down to your core. And you couldn't believe that this person actually betrayed you, went behind your back. Whatever this person did to not earn your trust any longer. This week's guest expert is talking about how we're overcoming betrayal and regaining our health confidence and happiness after the fact that we have been betrayed. It's a very impactful episode today. So take notes, listen closely, and see if you can relate to some of the stories that we're sharing in this week's episode. Before we dive into today's episode, I am super excited to share with you that the Empty Nest Reboot program has opened its doors. This program will help you lose stubborn belly fat, get more energy, feel more confident, control your cravings, and fully embrace your second half of life. By applying intermittent fasting strategies tailored specifically to women over 50, and including Pilates exercises that don't hurt your knee. This four-week program includes everything from strategizing to exercising to feeling all around amazing and seeing results in the steps you take. Click the link in the show notes and it will take you right there to check it out. And I hope you'll join us in the start of the Empty Nest Reboot program. I'll see you there. And now let's dive into today's episode. I'm Heike Yates, a fitness and nutrition coach with 30 years of experience. I empower empty nester moms over 50 to take back their health and strength to feel vibrant in their second half of life. Right now, you're joined by thousands of empty nester moms around the world who stop dimming their light and instead ignite their spark. On this podcast, I do what I do best, taking complicated information about fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies, and breaking it down into baby steps that are simple, actionable, and reliable so you can implement them into your life. I regularly interview some of the most inspiring guests who share their honest stories on how they went from their worst to their best in life so that you know you're not alone in your struggles. Join me as we redefine what aging looks and feels like by taking action and saying, yes, I can. This is the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Hi, everyone. Today, I am so excited to introduce today our expert, Dr. Debbie Silver. She's the founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute and a holistic psychologist, health, mindset, and personal development expert. 
She is the author of the number one best-selling book, The Unshakable Woman, Four Steps to Rebuilding Your Body, Mind, and the Life After a Crisis, or After a Life Crisis, I should say. And her newest book, Trust Again, Overcoming Betrayal and Regaining Health, confidence and happiness. Debbie is dedicated to helping people move past their betrayals in their health, work, and relationships. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you so much. Looking forward to our conversation. Fantastic. I did a little digging as I always do when when I have a new guest on the show. Your house is full of humans and animals. You are packed. So (laughs) When I saw that, I was like, oh, let's talk about Debbie's household. <laughs> yes, Debbie's household is very busy. And, and it's interesting because now the kids are older. So I have three out of my four kids are on one coast and one, uh, one of my sons and, and his girlfriend are here with us on the other coast. So I'm living a bi-coastal life, bouncing back and forth and uh, trying to keep my time zone straight. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. You also have four dogs, right? We do. We actually, we had six and in the past year, we lost three, couldn't take it. So got a puppy. So uh, we, we still have four, but it's um, yeah, that within one year we lost three of them. It, it was just one after the other. It was really crazy. Um, and we just uh, felt that loss and, and anybody who has pets, you know, you just love them so dearly. It's not like any other dog can replace any of the ones you lost, but we just needed a new puppy. So we just have got a new chocolate lab. She's precious. <laughs> so cute. My, one of my friends just got a cute new chocolate lab as well. He's so adorable. <laughs> They're very sweet. They're very, and it's, it's interesting. My, my oldest dog, and, and we lost one sort of in the middle, my oldest dog, I have a dog who's going to be 19. Wow. He's still, and then another one who's 13 and they're, uh, they're hanging in. <laughs> that is so cute. Also, yeah. I love that. I was like, I thought, you know, people need to know a little bit more about Debbie, but that ties into also, what are you most passionate about Debbie? Uh, well, you know, you, if you know my story, I've healed from some traumatic betrayals. And with that, it's like, how do you, how do you move through something and not want to share it and pay it forward? And I remember going through that and saying, if I, if I can heal from this, I'm taking everybody with me. So now within the PT, you know, the, the PBT Institute, watching other people heal is just, I mean, it just lights me up because I know how how much pain they're in and when they transform and they do it's it's such a gift to to watch and be a part of share with us what happened to you yeah so this is actually my 30th year in business and as life would morph and change so would my business and i started in health and mindset personal development and then stress and and uh, i was testing people for stress related issues and symptoms and and then and then trauma and then i had my own and it was a first betrayal of my family and thought I did the work to, to heal from something like that. And then a few years later, it was my husband and um, anybody who's been through it, you're, you're blindsided, you're devastated. You never see it coming. You're shocked. So I got him out of the house and I, I looked at the two experiences and I said, okay, well, what's similar to, to both of these experiences? And I realized I never took my own needs seriously. It was always about everybody else. 
And um, so got him out of the house. And here I was, four kids, six dogs at the time and this thriving business. And I was like, you know what? I'm going back for a PhD. I had no idea how I was going to manage it. I hadn't studied like that in 20 years. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. And I was like, that's it. Something has to change and it's me. And, um, and, and so it was in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential, because I was changing so much. I didn't quite understand it. He was on his own, wasn't really ready to look at that yet. Uh, and then it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my business, my family, my life. So when, when the people closest to us betray us, mm -hmm. why don't we see it coming? These are you the know, people we trust the most. That's why it's such a shock the, you know, when, when this is the person we trust the most, who can we trust when this is the person we run to when other people are causing harm are the ones causing the harm. Where do we go? It is, it absolutely shatters our sense of safety and security. Think about it. This was the person, these were the people who gave us a sense of safety and security. So when this is the person where these are the people to shatter it, it's traumatizing and it's a lot to move through. And, and that's really why healing from betrayal is very, is so different than healing from other life crises, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster. Um, and that was actually one of the first discoveries. Originally I was studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth. And if you, you can imagine like an upside of trauma, how any, any crisis, death of a loved one, disease, whatever it is, leaves you with a new awareness perspective, insight that you didn't have. Like maybe you lose someone you love and you realize life is short, right? So, but I was like, I've been through death of a loved one. I've been through disease, but I was like, betrayal feels so different, but I didn't want to assume. So I asked all my study participants, I said, you know, if you've been through other crises besides betrayal, does it feel different for you? Unanimously, they all said it was so different. Here's why. When you lose someone you love, let's say, you don't necessarily take it personally, right? Betrayal feels so intentional. So you take it so personally. So the whole self has to be rebuilt, you know, belonging, abandonment, worthiness, confidence, uh, trust. They're all shattered. They all have to be rebuilt. So when you rebuild after your experience and you rebuild the self, that's a whole new state. So I coined the term post-betrayal transformation. That is the complete and total rebuild of your situation and yourself after betrayal. Now, is there a sign that you know from your expertise that that you may see it coming? You know, not necessarily. And here's why. You're acting from your current level of consciousness, and so is that other person. So, like, I live so simply, and I it's if it's going to hurt someone, don't do it, period, end of story. And I think other people are, you know, following those same rules. So it's always a big shocker to me that that's not the case. So uh, there are, you know, we can take this down, just that one very question down so many roads, because on some level, you, your intuition may have been telling you something was wrong, and you turned it down. On another level, you weren't meant to find out then for a certain reason, like, you know, from a spiritual perspective, maybe like even in my own case, if I would have found out back then, there'd be probably zero chance I ever would have done what I did because it was years later 
not that the pain is any less, but I had years worth of spirituality under my belt. So that allowed for questioning, like, what if, you know, we needed to crash and burn so that something different can happen. You know, what if what doesn't kill you does make you stronger? You know, what if there's a reason for this that I didn't, you know, would never have known otherwise. When you look at it from that purely human standpoint, it makes zero sense. There's not a cell of me that was anywhere except accepting, but it's from that spiritual place where you invite those, those bigger questions. Yeah. So So when we're betrayed, I mean, I know the feeling of of hurt and our pride and we always look to ourselves that we did something wrong mm. and it has to be us and not the other person or the circumstances we're in what do you think yeah not at all and and here i, I really recommend to everybody if you have to say this to yourself a hundred million times it's worth it even though it happened to you it's not about you it's not, but we take it so personally because we look, what, what, what was wrong with me? Am I less than, am I not this, not that? No, that person has a hole, has a lack, was trying to escape from something, was trying to you know, create this persona, you know, whatever it was that they were going through. People do things for all kinds of reasons, but it's their issue and their journey. Now, of course, we always wanna take a look and say, what, where was I during all of this? right? Exactly. Um, you know, but I can truly look back on my experience and, and really say, I was a great mom. I was a great wife. I was a great business owner, you know, doing the best I could. And I've spoken to so many people on both sides of this and so many of the betrayers who say it had nothing to do with them. Even my own experience, you know, and, and this is, this is what we teach within the PBT Institute also rebuilding is always a choice, whether you rebuild yourself and move on. And that's what I did with my family. Wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you can rebuild something entirely new with the person who hurt you. That's what I did with my husband. So not long ago, we married each other again. Uh, New rings, new vows, new dress, and our four kids is our bridal party. Now, never in a gazillion years would I have ever done anything remotely like that if I weren't completely different and for sure if he wasn't completely different so um you You guys have been married for 28 years I read well that was that's an old bio yeah so so it's actually um it's we, we it's sort of two ways it's the 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 years just from the old but it's the new, you know, we have two anniversaries, uh, you know, it's, and, and everybody, this is so interesting. People do it so many different ways. They don't even acknowledge the first one. If there's a, you know, if they uh, reconcile, whatever it is, um, and they just choose that new date or we, and we actually had a new wedding. So um, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, you know, it's because here's the thing too. What I find with so many people is they are so afraid of the death and destruction of the old. And I get it, right? I mean, listen, I I got him out of the house and I was like, okay, I'm a single mom now. I didn't sign up for this. I I didn't see this coming. I didn't want this. But it's in that total and complete death and destruction of the old, does the new new get to be birthed? You know, the the new you at the very least and potentially a new relationship, but at the very least a new you. But what so many people do is there's, they're so afraid of that. So they just try to 
put it behind them. Just try to patch it up. Just try to, you know, keep going. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a wasted opportunity because. Um, Yeah, I totally agree with that. Because that's what I hear a lot in my community is that it's better to ignore it, put it under the rug. It will be fine. And, And well, and I can tell you something. There were three groups in the study who didn't heal. One group was where the betrayer had very little consequences. Now, this was out of financial fear, not wanting to break up a family, religious reasons that had a big uh, thing to do with it, uh, just fear in general, fear of the unknown. And I saw two things with this group. Number one, only a further deterioration of the relationship. And the second thing was this group by far was the most physically sick. Hmm. Your broken heart can't take that. So they thought, you know, okay, let's just kind of put it behind them. But it never allowed for anything new to be birthed. And it, yep. your, your, your broken heart needs to heal. And that's not the way to do it. But I get it. The fear of the unknown is scary. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's only, it's, it's only, you know, I use this, this analogy all the time and I, this really sums it up. And, uh, and I talk about this in my, I did two TEDx talks. This one is in, uh, do you have post-betrayal syndrome? And I talk about a house and how here's the difference between resilience and transformation. Resilience is restoring, bringing back, and you need that for your everyday Trauma and transformation is a whole different thing. So let's say you have a house and let's say your house needs a new boiler and you get a boiler. That would be resilience. Let's say it needs a new roof and you get a roof. That's resilience. You're restoring it. Here's trauma and transformation. A tornado comes by and levels the house. A boiler is not going to fix it and a roof's not going to fix it. Now, here's what I see. So many people do. You have every right to stand there at the lot where your house once stood and say, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing that ever happened. You'd be right. And you can call everybody you know over to look at the lot where your house once stood and they will all agree that this is the most terrible thing. However, if you choose to rebuild your house, you don't have to, but if you choose to, why in the world would you build the same house? Why not give it everything the old house didn't have, right? Why not make it more beautiful? That's the opportunity. Betrayal is the, is the setup for transformation. Everything's leveled. You can build whatever you like. I love that analogy because I'm visioning in my mind that there's, there's the house is gone. I was like, oh, I just built my house, a new house somewhere else. Yeah. And that's the but, thing. But don't build the same, live, exact, yeah. you know, same exact house again or just keep patching it up, patching it up, patching it up. It's been leveled. It's been leveled. Yeah. So what are some of the questions that we might ask ourselves to find out if we are avoiding or distracting ourselves in that situation of betrayal? Yeah. Well, you know, and this is one of the other discoveries was that that while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, so many of us do, if we're going to fully heal, we're going to move through five now proven predictable stages. What's even more exciting about that is we even know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every one of those stages. And we know what we need to do to move from one stage to the next. So those questions uh, I see so often this, you need to ask them when you are stuck in stage three, and I'm happy after to share what the five stages are, but stage three is the stage we get stuck in and most people stay. Transformation doesn't even happen until stage four and stage five. Anyway. So yeah, share with us the five stages. 
Yeah, sure. So, so when we're numbing, avoiding, distracting, here's where what used to work doesn't work anymore. What used to make sense doesn't make sense anymore. We used to feel good, doesn't feel good anymore. And it's an invitation for change. It's an invitation to take a look and see what's not working and what needs changing. Uh, but we don't want to do that. So we use things like food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior to numb, avoid, and distract ourselves. That's actually what the first TED talk, TEDx talk was about. Um, stop sabotaging yourself. Anyway, so these are four questions that I invite everybody to write down. That's my way of saying write these down. <laughs> so the first one is, am I numbing, avoiding, distracting? If so, how? Be honest with yourself. Do you walk in to the kitchen and you grab a bag of chips or whatever and you're not the least bit hungry? Do you walk into a room and turn on the TV because you just are desperately trying to drown out the sound of your own thoughts? Call yourself on it. The second question, what am I pretending not to see? Am I pretending not to see there's trouble in my relationship? Am I pretending not to see that health issue that needs my attention? Am I pretending not to see I hate my job? What am I pretending not to see? The third question, what's life going to look like in five to 10 years if I do nothing? Play it all the way out. Play out that health issue that you're ignoring five to 10 years. What's that going to look like? Play out that relationship issue the exact same way you're playing it now. Play it out five, 10 years. What's that going to look like? The job issue. Play that out. What's it going to look like? And what can life look like in five to 10 years if I change now? I'm not saying those changes are easy, but transformation begins when you tell yourself the truth. I think that that's difficult for many to, to honestly look at things and not, uh, like you said, numbing yourself or, or putting it, like I said, under the rug. Yeah. I think that's a very difficult step to take. It is, but you know something, it's uh, your freedom, your health, everything is on the other end of that because we, we keep that up until we can't until we can. And, you know, here's another analogy for you. If you've ever had a messy room, like let's, or a garage drawer, anything, right? Take a messy garage. You think it's not vying for your attention, but it is. You do all you can to avoid it because it doesn't feel good to be there, right? You avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. And then think about it. There's that one day where you're like, that's it. I'm going in. And you, and you roll up your sleeves and you grab your garbage bags, whatever you need to do. And it is a full blown mess. It's even worse in the beginning. And think of why, because you're making all kinds of piles. Now I'm going to donate this. I'm going to toss that. I'm going to fix that. Right. And you do. And then you put back what's left and think about what happens now. You get your fancy boxes or whatever you get. Right. And now you look with pride. You're like, look at me. You want to call your friends over. Be like, look at my garage. And <laughs> Now think about it. You have this sense of pride, this, this sense of empowerment because you dove in and you did the work. You cannot feel that if you avoid it. And we're so afraid of being uncomfortable. We're, we do everything we can to avoid being uncomfortable, but it is only through it that we get to the other side. There is no other way. Yeah. So that's it. That's our stage one, right? No, no. That's just what happens when we're numbing, avoiding, distracting. You know, it's just, it's just what we tend to do as, as you know, we can go through something 
traumatic and that's what we do. We have a limited set of beliefs that are keeping us thinking this is the best we can hope for. So we better behave this way, you know? Uh, no, but I'm happy to go through the five stages if you like. Yes, please. Cause that's very interesting. Cause we're like, okay, now, now she said, we're numbing ourselves. How do we do this? Okay. Yeah. What is the next step? What do I do now? Yeah. So well, let me run through all of them. And of course I map them all out in trust again. It's what we teach in the, the, you know, in the Institute, but here we go. So the first is like a setup stage. And I saw this with every study participant, me included. If you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with everybody was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental and kind of ignoring the emotional and the spiritual. Well, what's going on with that? The physical and the mental, that's the thinking and doing. And we're neglecting the feeling and being, but it's in the feeling and being, that's where intuition lies. We turn that down. That's what we talked about before. Anyway, if a table only has two legs, easy for that table to topple over, right? It's not that if you're busy thinking and doing, you're going to be betrayed. It was just a setup of what I saw. Stage two, by far the scariest of all of the stages. And this is the shock, D-Day, Discovery Day. Uh, and this is the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. So, so you just get this awful news. You make this discovery and you've ignited the stress response. So here you are, you are headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. This makes no sense. You can't wrap your mind around what you just learned. Like time is doing a weird time warp thing and your worldview is shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. These are the rules. This is how life works. Don't go there. Trust this person. And in a moment, every rule is no longer. It's a terrifying space. The bottom has bottomed out on you. But think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Who can I trust? Where do I live? How do I feed my kids? Like it's practical. Mm -hmm. Here's the trap though. Once you've figured out how to survive, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you're like, whew, okay, oh, we're good. We got this. And you think it's good. We have no idea there's a stage four, stage five waiting. So we start calling this home and we start planting roots here and we're not supposed to. And a few things start happening. You start getting your story. You get to be right. You get someone to blame. You get a target for your anger. You get sympathy from everybody you tell your story to, right? Yeah. You start planting deeper roots. Now, because you're here longer than you should, your mind's doing things like, well, maybe you deserved it. Maybe you're not as great as you think you are. Maybe this, maybe that. And now you're planting deeper roots. And now because like energy attracts like energy, now because this is how you feel, you're attracting circumstances and people and relationships towards you to confirm this is where you belong. It gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but you don't know there's a stage four and stage five right here is where you start using the food and the drugs and the alcohol and the work and the TV and the keeping busy because you're in so much pain, but you don't know it gets any better. So you resign yourself to thinking this is as good as it gets. So I better get used to it. So you do this for a day 
a week, a month now, now these are habits, right? A year, 10 years, 20 years. And I can see someone 20 years out and say that emotional eating you're doing that numbing in front of the TV, you're doing that, that, uh, you know, that alcohol you're drinking. Do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? They would look at me like I'm crazy. And they would say that happened 20 years ago. But think about, you see, all they did was put themselves in this holding pattern of stage three. Does that make sense? It so makes sense because I'm replaying in my mind my own betrayal that I experienced years yeah. ago. It, it's all the words you, all the things you're saying, Debbie, is like, yep, okay, too much drinking, too much this. Right. Not really looking at what's happening. And then, like you said, the people that surround you are the, the misery people. Of course. That's the thing. So, and that's why we get so stuck. But here's the thing. If we're willing to let go uh, of our story, if we're mourn, grieve, a bunch of things we need to do, we can move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you acknowledge, I can undo my betrayal, but I can control what I do with it. And I, I like using the example of if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not all there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. And when you're in this mental space, you start turning down the stress response. So you're not physically healing just yet, but you're not causing the massive damage you were causing in stage two and stage three. What's interesting about stage four also is if you were to move, you don't take everything with you. You don't take the stuff that doesn't represent the version of you you want to be in this new space. And what I saw was if your friends weren't there for you, you don't take them with you. Like that group, you you know, you were hanging out with in that stage three, mm -mm -mm, you don't take them with you. And people say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation. You've outgrown them. It happens all the time. Anyway, when you make stage four cozy, you've made it home, you settle into it. You can move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. Your body starts to heal self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. You weren't doing that stuff before. You you didn't have the bandwidth for it. Now you do. Uh, Your mind is healing. You're making new rules, new boundaries based on the version of you that's being created. And you have a new worldview, a new mental model based on the road you just traveled. And the four legs of the table in the beginning, it was just about the physical and and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. So the spiritual, describe more what the spiritual could look like for somebody who says, you know, uh, Debbie, I don't want to meditate. What what could Mm -hmm. that look like? Yeah. You know, what's so interesting was uh, I saw this so consistently where that spirituality had such a huge role in healing and whether it was a a lot of people abandoned their religion, they felt their religion wasn't there for them uh, after this because it was against their religion to, let's say, leave a marriage or whatever, um, regardless of the religion. So what I saw was people would would move to the spiritual side of their religion. If they weren't religious, they would move towards spirituality. And I was curious about it because I had done that myself. And, and, you know, it was for a few reasons. One, you need a sense of connectedness. Your bottom has bottomed out on you. You feel so lost. You just feel so alone. So that sense of connectedness was really important. And also trust was shattered 
So what happens is with betrayal, we certainly don't trust our betrayers and we don't trust ourselves because we're like, right person? How did I not see? How did I not know? So we venture, at least I can trust in something bigger than me. Let me trust in God, universe, source, whatever, you know, whatever works for you. And I saw that time and time again. And, and I did that too. Um, I'll never forget early on, I saw a, a spiritual counselor and, um, and I was like, you know what, I, I need to, I need some information here because this makes no sense to my logical mind. None of this made any kind of sense. And, and I, and it, I remember walking in to the first appointment and before I even sat down, she like starts laughing. I'm like, what, what the heck is she laughing at? She said, Debbie, how you two plan this. And I was like, what did you just say? She said, oh yeah, yeah. You needed, he needed something so catastrophic to crash and burn so he can become the husband, the father, the friend that he's really supposed to be. You, you needed to crash and burn so that you can really heal and, and come from this deep place of knowing. You're going to have an institute. You're going to be writing books about this. You're going to have a huge, huge following around betrayal. And like, I'm thinking, she's crazy. <laughs> so you never know. There you are, right? That's it. Unbelievable. Now, let's look at it for a moment from the other side, because I know my audience may say, oh, yeah, I can totally relate to what we've talked about so far. But what if you are the betrayer? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've, I've seen two things. I, I've seen where um, betrayal will show you who someone truly is or who they temporarily became. It is a beautiful opportunity, just as uh, the person who's been betrayed. And, and keep in mind, this isn't just relational. This is your best friend. This is a family member, anybody who uh, breaks the spoken or unspoken rules of that relationship, right? So it is a beautiful opportunity for the betrayer also to wake up and say, what the heck was I thinking? Like in, in, in my own case, my, my husband was actually the one who told my kids. And if anything is going to have you uh, wake up and realize what matters, it's losing that it's realizing you just lost everything that matters. And it's, it's an opportunity to just truly step up your game because otherwise, I mean, there's so much shame and, uh, and guilt and, and remorse and that'll eat you up alive. But if you yeah. do something good with it, then at least, at least you're learning. What a waste of an opportunity if you just hurt someone and move along, yep. you know, but, but like a, a classic narcissist, let's just say there's no empathy there. So there's not even that, that realization or they don't even care. Right. So it's a, it's a different thing. You have nothing to work with there. So that's where you heal yourself and you move along. And that's what I said before we teach that how to know, you know, if you're just going to be banging your head against the wall here and you're completely wasting your time. Uh, but in the other instances, I've seen this often with the, with the betrayer where they said they, it was a, the most gigantic wake up call. Did they learn off of someone, the, the expense of someone else and hurting someone else terribly? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no taking that back, but it is an opportunity for them to grow up and, and wake up and do the right thing as well. You know, I was in the situation where I was, I had the narcissist that was my betrayer. Mm -hmm. And that was very, very tough because I tried to mend it, try to communicate, try to figure yeah. out things. And all I got was the block. Well, that's it. Yeah. You know, we teach something called the window of willingness and it's where you're the most likely to the least likely to heal and rebuild with someone. And that typical profile 
you heal yourself and move on. You're not working with anything there. There's yeah. nothing to work. With. So your your only solution is save your sanity and your health and and move along. And move uh, because along. at this point in their journey, they're unwilling or incapable. Yep. Yep. It's it's probably in this in my case it was both. <laughs> mm. Yeah, very common. And and that's why, you know, we never know. I have, we have so many people coming into the Institute. Oh, I just want to be good with my partner again. We'll never guarantee that. I'll guarantee that they'll get to their physical, mental, and emotional best. And from that space, uh, very often, you know, we see a few things. They get to that place, they've outgrown their, you know, that other person. They don't have the least bit of interest or that other person steps it up so much uh, has healed on their own, their own journey. And then they're coming back together as two entirely different people, but we never know what's going to show up. Yeah. Yeah. And also it depends probably on the willingness of either party to want to work on that or able to work on that. Well, you know what? And willingness is such a huge word. And, and what we found is, you know, forgiveness has so much to do with the betrayed. And that's really for your own sake. You're releasing the power all that pain has over you. Reconciliation has so much to do with that other person, because if they are not radically transformed, why in the world would you take that on again? Uh, just because of fear, you are setting yourself up for such tremendous heartache. Yep. You or like I hear that. oftentimes, I don't want to be lonely. I'm afraid to be lonely. So I'm sitting in this relationship for years and years and years. Uh, and, and and here's the thing, years and years and years, they could have been building themselves up so beautifully so they can attract someone worthy and deserving of a version of them they never would have had access to. Yep. You know, that's the thing. But when you stay at that level, just because you're lonely, the only thing you attract is more of the same. The only thing you have is what doesn't serve. The only love you get is what doesn't feel good. So it's worth do it's so worth doing the work because you'll be so much better on every level. And then like energy attracts like energy. And then I don't care how old you are. I have worked with people in their 60s, 70s plus. They attract the love of their life because they're in a position that they're showing up so much differently. Yeah, you know, that's a good point because I did find the love of my life when I was 50. Yeah. That's it. But we're so, think about it. It's like, you know, what's that saying? When you, something about the good, you keep the good, you're, you're withholding the great. So I always batch up quotes, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yep, yeah, keep the good, toss the bad or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but that's now, it. We're preventing the great when we just hang on to good. Now, Debbie, how do we know that we moved on from betrayal? Because mm -hmm. it could yeah. be very tricky. You're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm good in stage three. Life is great. But how do we know right. that we haven't? And, and so many people, you know, it's funny, they'll say, No, I'm good as long as I don't see them. <laughs> good <laughs> point. Good. Right? No. And I can spot an unhealed betrayal from a mile away. So it shows up in a few different areas. First of all, um, one way is, and we have the post betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent people are struggling. We've had 25,000 people take it. That was the third discovery that there's this collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. I actually pulled some stats if you want me to share them. Uh, but, but you know, you haven't healed. We see it in health and work and relationships, for example, in relationships, I'll see it in one of two ways. One way is the faces change, but it's the same thing. 
You go from partner to partner to partner or friend to friend to friend, boss to boss to boss. And it's like the same experience, just it's a different person, but it's not, right? And people say, what the heck? Why does this keep happening? Well, you keep getting opportunities in the form of people for you to learn a very powerful lesson until and unless you do, you're going to keep getting more and more opportunities. Like in my example, it was my family, then it was my husband. And then think about it. It was such a dramatic decision for me to say, that's it. It's my turn. I'm going back to school. I, I had no idea why I felt so strong of a pull, right? But in, in making such a huge decision for me, it changed everything, everything, right? So you if, if it's a repeat betrayal, yeah. it's an unhealed betrayal. Something has to change. The second way I'll see it in relationships is, you know, people put that big wall up. They're like, nope, no one's getting near me again. You know, been there, done that. Yep. We think it's coming from a place of strength. It's not, it's coming from fear. That's another way. So if you're doing that, you know, it's an unhealed betrayal. We see it in health all the time too. People go to the most well-meaning doctors, coaches, healers, therapists to manage a stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. At the root of it is an unhealed betrayal. We see it at work too. People want to ask for that raise or promotion. They deserve it, but their confidence was shattered in the betrayal. So they don't have the confidence to ask, or they want to be a team player or a collaborative partner, but the person they trusted the most proved untrustworthy. How can they trust that boss, that coworker, that partner you see? So it shows up everywhere. You know what? I'm just like in awe. Cause I was like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. I only created a framework for it. I didn't make this stuff up. <laughs> you know. It's, it's, and it's very helpful to many people out there. I know and I'm so glad that you're on the show to talk about this to my audience today. And how can we learn to trust again, Debbie? Yeah, you know, uh, and this is in the book, Trust Again. I, I have a four-step trust rebuilding process. And what we, the, the problem is, what I see so many people do is they just are so um, heartbroken, so shaken, so shattered. So they're like, ah, let me just trust again. And what they're doing is they just reach to, the, the, the goal is just to trust the other person again. There are three steps that need to happen before then. And that's why it backfires every time. It's not built on sturdy, stable, solid legs. And you know, I, I, look at, I look at trust like a brick wall. Um, every opportunity someone has to show that they're trustworthy is like one brick in that brick wall. And so the only way I know of it to be created is brick by brick by brick, right? But then think about it. Here's the person who built the brick wall and now in one moment, they shattered the entire wall. Now, you have every right to just look at the rubble of bricks and say, I don't have any interest in watching this thing get rebuilt, I'm out of here. Totally fine. However, if you're willing, you're willing to watch the brick wall be rebuilt, the person who shattered the wall has to be a really good bricklayer. And they have to do the same thing all over again, where it's every opportunity they have to show that they're trustworthy is one brick in that wall again and again and again. What I see so many people do is the brick wall has been shattered, right? And they just want it okay again. So they're like, I oh, forget it, I'll build it. No, mm -hmm. you see, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. And they're the only one that's building it and not a collaborative mm -hmm. effort. Yeah. Yeah. 
what would you tell somebody listening to our show today that the first step you would recommend they do after they found out they're betrayed, they've done a little bit of work maybe, but they're like, okay, what can I do now? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what the Institute is for. I mean, that's all we do all day long. We have certified coaches teaching daily classes. We have our proven uh, programs, which literally walk you through the stages. We have master classes. I'm in there doing Q and A and, and the right type of support to lift and inspire. So of course that's, you know, you really want to get your job done. That's where you go. It's the training wheels until you don't need them anymore. That's the whole idea of the PBT Institute. The first step would be to, because I know we go, it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole of um, discovery, you know, and then we go down the, let me do all the research I can on narcissism and on, you know, infidelity or whatever it is. And yes, there's a certain amount of information that you need, and then it becomes debilitating. We need to, you know, when you look at it, like I only have best case scenario, hundred percent of my energy. And if I'm taking 50, 60, 70% of it, to what happened to, you know, going into these dark tunnels, I'm taking it away from the healing that I deserve. So we need to ruminate to make sense and meaning out of our experience. But there, there is that fine line where it's like, be careful who you speak with, because that, like I said, the wrong support does more harm than good. Be careful how much time you're spending in those dark places, because you've been through the worst of it already. You owe it to yourself to heal. There's a version of you so healthy, so healed, so strong waiting on the other side of your experience. Yeah. Cause that wallowing in that dark hole and, and continuing to beat ourselves up, or like you said, you know, connecting with the wrong people is just so saddening to see. And at one point you're so stuck in the hole. It's almost like you can't get out of it ever, ever again. It's, and that's why, and I see it all the time, you know, when we created the Institute, I looked and I was like, okay, well, what works, what the research proved we needed, what the 25,000 people said they want, what, what helped me heal my coaches, what's worked for them and members of our community. And I left out everything that doesn't work, like with support, we are rigid and unbending about the type of support we have within the community. It's there to lift and inspire because, you know, I found that there's the kind of in an awful club where, where people are like, Oh, you think that's bad. This would happen to me. Oh, you think that's bad. And I'm like, what the heck is that doing for you? Right. So, you know, in, in our community, it's more like, what'd you do? How did that work? Wow. You, you sound stronger than you sounded last week. How'd you do that? It's a different, it's a whole different thing. So um, we have to be really careful with who we listen to and just the, the steps we take. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, are there any final words you'd like to add, Debbie? Yeah. You know, I, I would just say, I get how painful it is. I've been through it. It's uh like I said, I've been through death of a loved one. I've been through disease. I was in the ICU for 11 days. Nothing broke me. Of course, we never broken, bent, you know, nothing got me like betrayal. It was the worst thing ever, but there's also the strongest version of you that you owe it to yourself to discover. I mean, I didn't do anything anybody else couldn't do. I just took something really bad and did something really good with it. And it's available to anybody. And and I just recommend they take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see to what extent you're struggling. And they can just find that at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. 
Yep. And that brings me to the final question. How can people reach you, connect with you and grab your book? Thank you. So yeah, I would say take take that quiz, uh, but also they can find the book. It's on Amazon and I do the Audible also, if that's your thing. Uh, but I recommend use this link so that you can come back and get all these great goodies. So for that, they just go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash trust again. Perfect. And social media, they can find you? My name, Debbie Silver. Just asking because we never know where our guests have their social media names. Yeah. Now, thank you so much for being here. I think that that was such an enlightening conversation for our listeners and for myself, of course, as well. And thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thank you so much for the opportunity. So listeners, listen up. All the links that we mentioned today in the show are in the show notes. So no worries if you didn't scribble it down on time. It will be in the show notes so you can go and take the test, connect with Debbie and deal with your betrayal. But what we also love to know is how you enjoyed the episode. What questions did you have? What aha moments? Please reach out to us on Debbie's handles at Debbie Silver with a B on social media. And you know my handles, Heike Yates and on Facebook, Heike Yates, Pursue Your Spark. And thanks for being here. And I'll see you next time on the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Ciao.